Hello, Alison Drower with another episode of the Showcase Entrepreneurs Program series. In business circles, a unicorn is a term used to describe a privately held company with a value of over a billion dollars. It happens, but it's pretty rare. And while the Entrepreneurs Program has yet to lay claim to supporting a unicorn, Citrus Ad International might just be the one that changes all of that. This Brisbane-based startup can boast some mind-blowing growth in recent years, actually a 2,000% growth rate in the space of a single financial year. Yep, that's 2,000%. The COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown lifestyle has created a tsunami of online shoppers and Citrus Ad is empowering retailers with e-commerce software to integrate their own digital advertising platforms. Citrus Ad is giving the likes of Facebook, Google and Amazon just a little bit of an elbow nudge. Citrus Ad has been founded by former Adelaide Crows footballer Brad Moran and his business partner Nick Peach. But both still sport the battle scars from their very first startup, one that ended with their American business partners firing them from the company. Well, the lessons learned were hard, but the experience created a vision for Citrus Ad based on resilience and trust. So we start this episode by asking just how far back do Brad and Nick go as mates? Uh, sadly, 10 years. Yep, like a married couple. Uh, yeah. We see more of each other than we do our wives, that's for sure. Nick, Nick and I go back to the first company we worked together in, which was a, another startup called NoQ, which we started in Adelaide. Um, it was an e-commerce platform. So we would sell grocery uh, vendors, retailers, um, our technology, which was largely e-commerce transactional websites and picking and packing apps and quite innovative for its time. That was back in 2010, kind of first conceptualized that. And then we were in market by 2011, um, moved overseas, Nick and I moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which was nice and cold in the winter. Started getting traction um, over there, and, and then and then uh, ran into some issues with some some board level politics, and then both of us found ourselves kicked out of the business within about six months of being in the U.S. So uh, came back to Australia with a tail between our legs, um, and decided to start Citrus probably within about I don't know, would you say three days? getting sacked yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about your dynamic with with brad what is it that, about him that that makes such a formidable partnership for you guys i just do as i'm told <laughs> it's like a good marriage you know Nick, nick's yeah. the husband of the marriage he does what he's told and, and everything else is good <laughs> yeah no it's good it was good we, we met up in adelaide um i think one of the one of the board members that sort of Nokia at the time said should catch up with Brad. Um, I liked what he was doing, very innovative at the time, what we were doing there with Nokia. Um, so went through all the pain and suffering together as we grew that company, um, you know, dealing with small, anything from small little coffee shops to a really, really big corporate board. Um, but that, that experience in that company, and I think it's one of the reasons where we're successful with Citrus Ad is because we had that experience building an e-com platform from mobile to e-com to, to working particularly with grocery retailers. Mm. So by building e-com, being in the weeds with retailers um, together and the brands as well and the frustrations they were getting, 
is the the only reason we're here today and and how the idea formed um, was was by us being in the weeds and seeing all the problems what did retailers need you know most of them were losing money online um, we had to come up with something that was going to be a potentially a passive income stream to them we knew what brands were getting frustrated with we knew what customers needed so so going through all that pain together has been the best experience ever as in going into a new company but a nightmare for, for seven or eight years because of all the all the challenges and all the difficulties we had to come through but it certainly helped us do this one a lot better and i guess the big difference this time around is is doing it with a proper co-founder um for me has been the major difference like it's a like i started nokia nick joined very early on um and we you know we were practically co-founders um but in this business it's very much been a partnership and statistically 30 percent more likely to make it in a co-foundership than you are in a single founder and the main reason being is because as a as a founder and a ceo you have to shoulder a lot of responsibility um and sharing that responsibility um, makes life significantly easier, um, and and you know, I was able to cope really without. I think without a co-founder, um, this business would have been done away with two years ago. Um, so I think, you know, we complement each other in our personality styles. I'm type one perfectionist. You know, Nick's a little bit more laid back than me. Um, and 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 that complements each other you know i'm the numbers guy the next the creative kind of marketer and we both complement each other in terms of skill set so we don't really run into each other from a conflict of interest perspective which has enabled the the relationship and the company to grow so mm. plus we both you know share the same love for manchester united and the adelaide crows <laughs> which always helps really sadly it is at the moment port adelaide are looking better by the day <laughs> Sadly, my wife's an avid Port Adelaide supporter, trying to get my kids on that bandwagon. So it's hard to fight the Adelaide battle at the moment when they're at the bottom and Porter at the top. But I'm doing a good job. All those years of, of, of footy for you, like you were a pro sports guy, and yet this is your destiny. Was it always in the back of your head or, or what? Yeah, I mean, even when I started at North Melbourne, I still remember having a a scrapbook just full of notes of ideas of businesses I wanted to start everything from commercial cleaning to you know just about anything really I was football's good but it's taxing on the mind in so far as it's very repetitive um, you know guys with an active mind don't stay in football very long I don't think um, like I injury or no injury there's no way I could have played 300 games you know, football and business are totally different. I used to think football was stressful. Um, it's a walk in the park compared to business. Um, so let that be a lesson to all footballers. I think they've got it tough. <laughs> a lot harder in the real world, um, dealing with people, managing people. Um, but yeah, no, look, I always, you know, I, I always had a entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. I started when I was 15, collecting the names of kids in my class, I went to a private school, so I collected a database of people and what their parents did. So I thought that might be useful when I left school to see uh, where my connections could grow. Um, I guess that was probably the first sign, maybe a, an entrepreneurial spirit, but then, you know, football held me back for seven years, unfortunately, and then uh, finally got into starting a tech company after that. But I don't think my body was ever destined to be a long-term footballer. 
it's it's hard work. I don't, I don't know how the guys do it these days, but it's it's very hard. Um, but you learn a lot of disciplines, you know, resilience, mm-hmm. setbacks. Nick, as a as a footballer, do you make a great entrepreneur? Did you have any footy uh, background or sporting background? What was your background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I played. I played. I was a try-hard footballer. Um, so I was never dedicated enough to to the sport to ever go on with it, or, or probably good enough. Um, but yeah, I've I've always worked with uh, entrepreneurs. Even even from when I finished uni, I worked in in Europe. I worked in Formula One, but it was with another Australian company and a guy by the name of David Eckert, who, who was a Adelaide guy. Went overseas, worked in London, set up a company called Good Sports, got all the merchandising rights to all the Formula One teams, bar Ferrari. But, you know, he was a really great entrepreneurial type guy, just having a go, would turn up to Grand Prix tracks without a ticket and would wait at the gate, wait till he found someone, got in and would do the deals at the track. So again, I've always worked in that environment. I was never a corporate guy. I didn't want to be a corporate guy. I was always looking for something bigger, always wanted to try and create something bigger. And, you know, even when I met Brad, Back in Adelaide days, I was pitching ideas around, to, and that's how I met this. this his one of his board members. Um, I forget his name now, John Sutton. That's right. And uh, hence he introduced me to Brad, and, and that, and then you know, seeing No Q and the four-digit pin payment go away, and then you know, I was um, I was in hook, line, and sinker, and you know, the rest is history now. Yeah, I mean, fortune favors the brave. Like, if you look at the statistics. 50% of startups fail just because they're in the market at the wrong time. In order for us to have kind of got the luck that we got maybe in the last eight months, we had to scrap fight and, you know, kind of cheat our way to getting a seat at the table in the first two years um, of the business and getting us into a position where we could win business. Um, so so timing is everything. But again, without the seven years at no queue of been you know slaughtered basically and making every mistake under the in the book and 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 going through the pain and that's an that's a significant understatement um because after that business i didn't want to touch a startup ever again i I wanted just to go work in the corporate environment do my nine to five and, and never think about a startup ever again so um maybe that's the story for another day but um yeah, timing is, is, is really critical in, in a startup. You have to have the right product, you have to have the right team, you have to be able to go, you have to be able to surf the wave. So you have to have done all the preparation to get on the board and have the right technique. But when the wave's there, yeah, certainly it, it helps. And so, you know, we've, it's, it's been three years for Citrus, but it's been 10 years in the making, really, uh, if you think about the journey that we've taken. Can you tell us a little bit about where Citrus was positioned at the time when it, it reached out to the Entrepreneurs Program in, what was it, 2017? You know, part of the Entrepreneur Program that the government helped us with, I found it quite a pivotal piece of capital. So we'd, we'd raised an initial, raised an initial um, seed round. And the seed round kind of enabled us to do what we said we'd do, which is take on Australia and you know build the product and kind of um, you know you get get to market. What what we did with the money from the government, which we would never have done had we not had that extra capital, was go overseas quickly. So we went to the US, we went to the UK, and took the chance of trying to crack those markets using that extra funding. And had we not have done that at that time, 
there's no way the business would have accelerated the way that we, we grew. So typically overseas markets take 18 months to two years to break into, um, particularly when you're the up and coming, um, you know, younger startup player. Um, so even though it was a, you know, small amount of money in the scheme of things from an overall capital perspective, you know, it was 850,000 that we got from the government. It was that 850,000 that enabled us to take the, the risk and the chance that we wouldn't have taken otherwise. You know, we subsequently raised 13 million and we, we keep growing, but it's at that early days, you know, they call it the chasm of death. You know, most startups run out of cash and they don't quite get there. And that, like, if you want to build a proper product and you want to give yourself enough runway that you're not hemorrhaging cash or looking at the bank balance every five seconds, you need at least 2 million, really. Um, the money we did get from the government just was that icing on the cake enabled us to take the risk, um, you know, and, and, and now that we're, you know, big in the US, big in the UK, the two markets that we wouldn't have approached without that funding. So, you know, the government has been critical. Yeah. And, and Nick, the, the heartache that you went through in America the first time, how satisfying is it to now be having such success in, in that sort of big league market? Yeah, well, it's, it certainly takes it takes a lot of time to crack the US. And even like, I've got friends of mine that, that even started Lonely Planet and even they said it took two to three years to crack the US. Um, and it's, it was the same with us because they really value relationships. The good thing about the US, they're, they're very addicted to the dollar. <laughs> which So as Brad would always say, you know where they're coming from. Um, but they, they really do value the relationships. You've got to get into those relationships. You've got to invest. You've got to go there. You've got to do so many long trips over there. It, there, there are no shortcuts. And even with, even with Citrusad, one of the best time technology products that you could ever come across, that it's even taken us time to crack the US. And it's only been the last four or five months that we've really just things have happened, things have fallen into place and we're really cracking it now. But it's even, it's even taken, even the experience with the first company by us being there then, they, they even know us, right? A lot of these guys in grocery and that, they know we've been around, we've been there, we've, we've been visiting, having meetings. Even with that experience, it still took a year and a half to two years for us to really crack it with Citrusad. Nick and I take no satisfaction out of where we're at now compared to where we were at Nokia, right? So I think we, we don't consider our job done until we get the exit that we've promised our shareholders. So, you know, whilst we're making more money than we ever made at the last business, making more money, having more staff comes with a lot more stress. I think you, you're so singular minded and focused on the job at hand that you don't really even have time to reflect back. We're both kind of very self-critical people and that's what's enabled us to grow is that we've remained extremely grounded don't take anything for granted you know we don't get ahead of ourselves at all like I think that we you know we're always looking probably at the glass half empty which we probably shouldn't you know we should probably look at some of the upside and, and celebrate some of the upside but you know Australia does have a tall poppy syndrome um, it does like you to fail so being second time failures was not really something that was highly attractive to us. So we very, very much stayed in the shadows um, until, until the day where we exit. And then, then maybe, maybe we, we, we may compare the two. But until that day, things can still fall apart. And so um, every day is still a day that we have to come to work and work hard. 
so Nick, with with the ride, it's pretty exhilarating today. You, you know, can can you just give me a little bit of background on just how rapid your growth has been, and did you ever feel inclined that maybe we have to apply the brakes, or is that just something you don't even contemplate when that growth is so rapid? Well, exhilarating is a big word. Um, you know, when we launched in late 2017, I think it was Christmas, you know, launching our product properly with, uh, you know, Dan Murphy's only the largest liquor online retailer in the, in Australia. That was a big moment when we, uh, when we saw the first sponsored products go live in a retailer like that. Um, that, that was a special moment. And then, you know, we, we always knew, we knew we had a pretty exciting product. We were pretty confident, but you never know, right? Mm. And and retailers are retailers are a unique beast. They're very, it's particularly big retailers. Like when we got into this, we thought, oh, you know, we're going to be tier two, tier three retailers. The big retailers, oh, they'll be they'll be building their own tech and they'll be all over this stuff. Or you know, I remember one of our board members going, "Don't go working with Woolworths. They're gonna they're just gonna build it." And uh, but. But the big retailers were looking at us, were looking at our tech. Yes, they may have 150 people in their dev team, but those big companies, it's hard. They don't quite have the innovation and, you know, they become a corporate beast and different layers. So it, it, it has been somewhat surprising to us that the big tier ones, they really need us. Like none of them really know how to do retail media. They all, Amazon's driving it, they all think, they all think they want to do it that Amazon way and this way, and so um, it's it's been it, it has been exciting. But if you, if you if you work with retailers and retailers, they are prone to overcomplicating. So part of our job is to is to guide them and 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 get them not to overcomplicate it. Doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be hard. And and you just because Amazon do it that way, it doesn't mean you do it that way. There's there's better ways you can do it. Um, but with the right technology, you can be more targeted than Amazon. So sometimes it's getting them in the, into the headspace to realise that, you know, yes, you're not as big as Amazon, but when someone comes to shop with you and looking for milk or T-shirt or whatever it is, they're there to buy. And, and um, so with the right technology, retailers are now understanding that actually we are more attractive. We're a more attractive option to these brands and advertisers than the big three being Google, Facebook, Amazon. Because Amazon's almost a search engine anyway, because they're so big, 15 to 20% of their shoppers are actual shoppers. So if you said to Brad and I, we would be working with Sainsbury's, Tesco's, Woolworths, Coles, um, some of the biggest retailers in the US, I can't even name some of them now, Macy's, all these guys, you know, we would have said, no way. Um, but, you know, here we are. There's many clever ways to transform your business, to find new markets and strengthen your customer base. The Entrepreneurs Program can help you navigate your business digital transformation. So to find out more, go to business.gov.au forward slash EP. You're clearly great at pitching. Is, and you must be have incredible persuasive powers as well. Or is it just that your product is really good? I wish it was just the product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah these, this is one of the scaling issues, and it's not a, it's not a me and Nick gloating. It's a, 
it's an issue that founders have where you try and employ a sales team across the globe and you, you know, you have more rank and file staff that are, that are high caliber salespeople, but you still get dragged into every meeting, you know, because of the, I guess the, um, yeah, the power of persuasion. I think that the founders always carry the passion, um, and the ability to knit together solving a business problem with a piece of technology, selling what we actually deliver, but selling it in a way that gets, the retailers really bought in um, and, and excited about working with us and, and developing that degree of trust. As Nick said, it's all about relationships because this is a partnership. This isn't just a, they don't license our tech and then never talk to us again. This is a, you, you start forming partnerships with these, these people um, and they're long-term. Your little startup has garnered so much attention from venture capitalists where do you think your unicorn is actually hiding? Everyone wants to be a unicorn. We're probably a little bit more pragmatic than that. Are you guys aspiring to be the next Atlassian, to be the next Amazon? Is that your unicorn? <laughs> Possibly. It's probably a three to five year dream though. Um, to build a unicorn takes a long, long time. Um, it takes a lot of effort. You know, you look at Atlassian 14 years before they listed Canva are going there. They're not listed yet. They've been around a lot longer than we have. We're at year three. I think Citrus is in the right space at the right time with the right product um, and could absolutely be a unicorn. Um, but do we have our mindset on becoming a billion dollar company? Um, I think we're just focused on getting to a point where we feel comfortable that we've grown it as far as we can grow it. And then we'll get, you know, people in who, who like to run large companies instead of, you know, you know, we, we, we're, Nick and I are creators, right? We're, we're, we're creative personalities that like to forge new ground and new things. And when this business gets to two, 300, 400 people, it tends to turn into autopilot kind of photocopying mode and, you know, I, I don't think that we'll, we'll probably be around at that point. You know, I think, uh, as Nick said, our growth is enterprise. So I think we probably needed another 50, 60 clients to get to that kind of unicorn stage. And we'll get there, but um, it'll probably be with the help of, uh, with, a, with, a new, with a significantly larger management team than what we have today. Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, it's been a long journey. And uh, call it maybe founder fatigue and things like that. Like, yes. We're, we're breaking the US, we're breaking into UK, Europe, but you know, we're rattling a lot of big companies. And yes, we're staying ahead of them and we plan to stay ahead of them technology-wise, but you know, they're big beasts. You know, it's, you know, Microsoft, Criteo, Google, just a couple small companies that are little, little Aussie tech startups um, I'm rattling. So, you know, as enjoyable it is and it's great and it's exciting, there's, you know, there's still, you know, so much to do and we, you know, we're gonna just need support and things to do that. So there's always the right time too. And as Nick said, we have massive competitors in this space. And if you hold on just that little bit too long, um, trying to go for a unicorn status, you could lose it all. It's always about being smart, exiting at the right time. And uh, do you think this business marriage has great staying power to see you to a new frontier? I'll never work with them again. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> We will never talk to each other again. In fact, I'm going to an island where there's no retailers and it's just me and the animals, to tell you the truth. Phones won't be out of work. I can't wait. 
we may be on that island together, but yeah. uh, who knows? Um, we are still friends through the process, so to answer that question, really. but I think I think we trust one another. So um, that's that's one of the main things is trust, I guess. Um, fantastic speaking with you guys, and uh, again, all the best for the future. And it's just lovely to know that the Entrepreneurs Program was was just a very small part of, of what it was, but a pivotal part of, of what uh, your success is. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. Absolutely. So thanks for listening to this episode of Showcase Entrepreneurs Program. To find out more about the program and how it can help transform your business, just go to business.gov.au forward slash EP.